Pastor Rusty just finished a series, a six-week series on Gideon. Uh, if you've missed any of the last six weeks, I encourage you to get online and listen to that on our podcast at tcf.church and listen to that series. An absolutely incredible series. Uh, so much in there. I told Dad, he, he, he came into my office and said, what do you think I should start preaching after this? I said, just start over. Just do Gideon all over. I said, there was so, informa- so much information, so you just start over and re-preach it. Uh, it's an incredible series, and uh, get online and, and listen to it. So when he asked me to preach a couple weeks ago, uh, he knew he was going to be out of town. I thought, I kind of want to stick with that, stay with that. It is graduation Sunday today. Uh, at the end of our service, we're going to pray over our seniors. And so I kind of wanted to tie something in with them uh, as they go into this next step of their life, uh, but also something that we could all relate to and, and all follow. So before we jump into it, let's just pray really quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that as I speak, that you would speak through me, that it would not be my word but your words, Father, and I pray that our eyes and our ears and our mind and our hearts are open and ready to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, Uh, what we're going to talk about today is who will you follow? And uh, in our culture today, in the day and age we live in, we're bombarded uh, with information uh, through social media, news. Uh, You know, sometimes we can think that the world is, is a really bad place, And actually, studies show that the world is better than it's ever been, but you're just bombarded with so much information that you think it's really bad, but there's actually less crime, less death than ever before. And so, but there's so much information, so many people pulling on us. Uh, I mean, Twitter is, is, you know, follow me, you know, Instagram, Facebook, social media, uh, the news, uh, everything that we look at and, and view, they want us to be a part of that and they want us to follow that. And, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we had Annie up at my parents' house, and Dad had her sitting on the table. And uh, my uncle lives in Hollis, Oklahoma, and he's a crop duster, uh, and his business is named Gray Ag Air. And uh, every time we go to Hollis and visit him, he's always giving us baseball caps. You know, here, I got new hats in, y'all take some hats. So we always have hats. So Dad had one on, and he took it off, and he put it on Annie, and we're trying to get a picture of her with this hat on where we can see her face but still see the Gray Ag Air across the cap. And so we finally get this picture, and we send it to my uncle. We text it to him. And he texts back, riding for the brand. Right now, if you're involved in ranching or farming, you understand what that means, that I ride for the brand. And, and it's that same idea in our lives. With everything we're exposed to, some of us ride for the brand. Some of us, I, I mean, a, a brand of clothing, a type of pickup. I mean, right, there's people in here that wouldn't be caught in a Ford pickup, right, or a Chevy pickup, right? That's just how it is. You're either a Ford guy or a Chevy guy. You're not biased. You're not like, oh, whatever's cheaper. You, you, you have your pickup that you want. And so all of us are bombarded within our culture of follow me. You know, I have the answers. Uh, we have the answer. Do this, do that. And we, we have to kind of take a look in our lives and we have to ask ourselves, who am I following? Now you're probably thinking like I'm in church, you know where this is going. And you probably do have a pretty good idea of where this is going. But, but I'm going to show you some things in Gideon and some things that happened 300 years before Gideon, uh, that happened in his life. And so what I want to do is, is, uh, I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, when I was about a sophomore in high school, I decided that I wanted to be a firefighter, and uh, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I don't know why. I was trying to think the other day of what made me think that. Uh, probably, I, I don't know. I don't know what it could have been, uh, but I wanted to be a firefighter about a sophomore. My junior year, we went to AC, uh, Amarillo College up in Amarillo, and they did like a, they have a fire academy, and they did a deal 
where you get to wear the masks and use the, the, you know, the, like the binocular type things where you can see through the smoke and you get to go through all this and take the test to see if you can pass the physical test and do all this. And so then my senior year, I'm graduating. And, uh, what I do is I graduate, I stay at home for a semester and then I go uh, to Amarillo college and start taking a couple classes. I couldn't get into EMT till the second semester. So I took some math and things like that. And uh, that semester, uh, my mom decided that I wasn't going to live in Tulia and that she wanted to get rid of me. And so she rented me an apartment in Canyon and moved all my stuff to Canyon. And uh, I think I spent like four nights in that apartment. And then I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm going home. Uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, my parents would go to Rio Dosa every year. This is like in the summer. And they would go to Rio Dosa to do like a little youth conference. Well, uh, I wanted to go with them. And uh, I had a mowing business. I was mowing. So I asked my boss and I told myself, you can have off. And, uh, and uh, I wanted to go. And they were like, no, you're not going. You need to stay here. And, you know, school's coming up. And, and I said, okay. And so I had been, I'd been thinking about going to Texas Bible Institute, which is a Bible college where we go to camp. And uh, growing up going to camp, uh, tons of, of people before me uh, had been to TBI. Jason, who plays the drums, had been to TBI. So many other people have been to TBI. So I'm thinking, I want to go to TBI. So they're gone. I'm, I'm at home by myself. I'm mowing every day. And I'm really praying, God, what am I supposed to do? Am I, am I supposed to finish out EMT? Am I supposed to stick with this, you know, and, and do this, be a firefighter? Am I supposed to go to, to Texas Bible Institute? Well, I'm mowing. And, and I'm thinking, I'm supposed to go to TBI. So I have the great idea of, of I go home, I unload the trailer, call two of my friends, we go to Canyon, and we load up everything out of my apartment onto the trailer. We drive back to my parents' house, and we put it all back in my room. Like that afternoon. And they're in Rio Dosa, probably like having lunch or something, you know. And, uh, and my parents get home, and, and I'm there, and my mom goes upstairs, and she comes down and says, uh, Kurt, I hope you bought a new bed for your apartment. And I said, no, no, I'm going, I'm going to Bible school. And, and I always tell her, if you'd have let me go to Rio Dosa, I'd have never done that. I'd be living in Canyon, working at United. But you wouldn't let me go. And, and so we get, I get to TBI, and I tell you all that to say that I, I go to TBI, and the first week of school, Miss Rachel, who's the founding pastor, her and Tommy, uh, she tells them, uh, Pastor kids, I want all you all to stay. You know, it's a class, it's about this big, and they say all the pastor's kids stay. So okay, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll stay. So, you know, 60%, 80% of the class gets up and walks out, and this kid's sitting next to me, and I'm like, oh, man, your dad's a pastor? And he's like, yep, as soon as he gets out of prison, we're starting a church. I'm like, okay, okay, cool, cool. I'm with you, you know. Paul was in prison. I can feel it. Uh, and so Miss Rachel gets up, and she tells us how that you have to decide that you're going to serve your God. You can't serve your parents' God anymore. You can't go to church because that's what mom and dad do for a living or because that's what's expected of you. But you have to decide that God is my God, not just my parents' God. And it was almost TBI. That's what really happened for me is I had this encounter where God became my God, not just my dad's God, not just something I was raised in, not something I was just born into, but, but something that, that really happened in me that this is my God. And I almost had to get rid of the gods of my father and take this on. And so we jump into the story of Gideon in Judges six twenty five, And this is where Gideon uh, takes the bull and sacrifices it. And if you've been with us, uh, as pastor's teaching on this, you'll remember all this. And it says, now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Verse 26, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood image which you shall cut down. 
So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. Because, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And so we see this story of Gideon, and God comes to Gideon. He sends an angel of the Lord to Gideon, and um, he, he tells him to do this. And so he, he says, take the bull and, and kill it, tear down the altar, and, and sacrifice it. Now, if you're like me, when you hear this story, you think that's a great story. That's really cool. I'm really proud of Gideon. He really stepped up. But when you go out in your front yard this morning and got in your car, there probably wasn't a statue out in your yard that you worship with a wooden image next to it. And you thought, okay, as soon as we get home from church, we got to worship this altar, right? And a lot of our, in our lives, right? The things we follow aren't physically like in our yard. We can hear the Old Testament of Moses. And as he's up on Mount Sinai, you know, they're down there worshiping a golden calf. You may not have a golden calf, right? You know, our living rooms are built around TVs, not idols. And your TV could be an idol, but we don't have like a gold statue of a lady with incense and candles. And our living room is situated around it. And every night you go in there and you worship this idol, And so as we hear this story and as we think about this story, we can think, well, I don't have any idols. You can think, I'm in church. I've decided who I'm going to follow. And so Gideon, he had to decide who he was going to serve. He was afraid. Now, what we're going to do is, is I'm going to back up. Uh, Gideon is in the book of Judges. The book right before Judges is Joshua. Now, if you don't know who Joshua is, uh, everybody knows who Moses is. Moses uh, goes into Egypt, right, and he delivers Israel from Egypt, the plagues. They go out into the desert. You know, he splits the Red Sea, pillars of fire. Um, They're in the desert, manna, bread, all that good stuff. And then they almost get into the promised land, but Moses disobeys God. And and so God says, you're not going to go into the promised land because you disobeyed me. And so what happens is, is through all this time, there's probably an 18, 20-year-old kid that helps Moses through all of this. When Moses was up on Mount Sinai, Joshua was halfway. He was right under there. And so he's been with Moses his entire life. Now, to Gideon, that story happened about 300 years ago, if we're Gideon. Uh, to put a little bit of perspective, uh, the Declaration of Independence, you know, July 4, 1776 was 240 years ago. So you sit in class, you know, in school, and you hear that, you know, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue, and they heard uh, Moses split the ocean blue. So that's what they heard in class. And so Gideon knew the story of Moses. He knew what they did. That was a famous story, just like it is today. But instead of it being 6,000 years ago for us, it was only 300 years ago, okay? And so So he knew this story. That night, God speaks to him and says, take the bull, sacrifice it, tear down the altar. And I believe, and you know, you can bear it out that he remembered that story. Gideon knew that story. I can guarantee you when they were kids around the campfire, his dad told the story of Moses. Now Moses lives out his life. And like I said, he doesn't make it into the promised land. He dies. Everybody that was in Egypt dies. All right. They all have to die. Their kids, Joshua, they go into the promised land. Now, you know the story of Jericho and how they march around seven times and the walls fall down. That's Joshua, and they're fighting their way into the promised land. And so finally, they get into the promised land. They've fought through all these armies. They've, they've disobeyed God. God's restored them. They've obeyed God. They've gone back and forth. Finally, they get there, and Joshua is an old man. All right, Joshua's old. And they finally had split up the promised land into 12 nations. 
and he has the 12 nations all together, and, and they've just split it up. They've won. They're victorious, and Joshua is an old man, and this is what he says to him. So this is Joshua speaking to the Israelites, Joshua 24, verse 14. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates rivers and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now, that last part of that last scripture is, is hugely famous. Probably some of you have a sign in your house hanging over a doorway that says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and right there, it's not even, I mean, technically, it's not even the, the full scripture. But we all know that. And lots of times we know scriptures like that, but we don't know who's talking, why they're talking, or who they were talking to. Now, to put this, just to think about this, I think this is crazy. You take a group of people, all right, and back all the way up to Egypt with Moses, and they're in slavery. And probably a lot of these people that he's talking to now are probably like kids back then, all right? And so their kids, they come out of Egypt, they see the plagues all over Egypt, the firstborns die, they go out into the desert, get to the Red Sea, and they see the sea split. I mean, could you imagine an eight, nine, ten-year-old seeing that happen uh, and walking through this? And then the pillars of fire to keep the army back, the army being swallowed into the sea. And then after that, the, you know, they get lost in the desert and God gives them manna and quail. And then everything that God's done, then finally they get into the promised land, you know, and, and the grapes are as big as your head and everything is incredible. They defeat their armies. They, they dance around the city and it crumbles to the ground. And then they go through all of this. But Joshua still says, decide today. He says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and serve the Lord alone. I mean, don't you think that somebody would have raised their hand and said, man, the sea-splitting thing did it for me. I'll throw the idols out. I'm in this 100%. But he still felt the need to tell them, decide today. I love verse 15. It says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Choose today whom you will serve. He gives them four options of people they can serve, of gods. None of those options are if you don't want to serve someone, you don't have to. He says if you don't want to serve God, then choose today who you will serve. See, God designed us for worship. You might think, well, then that makes me kind of sound like a, like a servant. No, God designed you for relationship. That's what worship is about. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude, but the reason you can't sing and lift your hands is because you don't have a relationship with God. That's why. Well, you know, you see people, maybe like Pastor Rusty, and you think, why does he worship so good? Because of the relationship that he has with God. And that's developed and that's built, right? And so he's telling them, you are going to worship something. And in our day and age, we all worship something. Pastor Rusty would always say, uh, show me your checkbook and I'll show you what you worship or I'll show you where your heart is, right? I can look at what you spend your money on and, and I can see where your heart is. And like I said earlier, a lot of us think, well, I don't have any gods. I don't have a false god or a wooden image or something on the shelf that we worship. But in our day and age, it's different, all right? What we worship, what our God is, is money, success, sex, Power, pleasure, sports, alcohol, drugs. 
This is what we put our energy into. This is what we put our time and our heart into. This is something we do for an hour on Sundays and and thank God you're here. And then somehow we can think, well, I've done my part. Now, come Monday, God, I need you to step off the throne of my heart because I need money to step up there. Right? And a lot of us, uh, are the throne of our heart is a love seat. Right? Jesus, you can sit up there, but you're going to sit up there with money or power or success. I have to be well-known. I have to be famous. I, I have to have the right last name. I have to have the right job. I have to have the right number in the bank account or drive the right car or wear the right clothes. Or my kids have to have the right shoes on. Because, because God is not our priority. Some of us, our heart is a sectional. Man, you got 15 people sitting up there. See, and Jesus won't do that. He won't be the fifth God on your shelf. He will only be the only God on your shelf. See, and it's no, it's no fault of our own. I, I love this story in Joshua because he says, choose today. And you look back at all that God's done and they still fall. So I believe that Gideon got that word to tear down the altar and he was afraid and he was scared. And God reminded him of Joshua and he thought, choose today. I'm going to choose today who I will serve. Now, I want to run through these four options and show them to you uh, of, what, of what he gives them. These choices are like four points on a compass. Uh, each one of them will lead you in a different direction. So one, the gods of their ancestors or the gods of their fathers. Um, he tells them, you know, are you going to serve the gods, gods of your father? And we see this with, with Gideon. Right, the, the, the altar he's pulling down is the God of his father. Now, a lot of us in our lives, you have to sit down and think about what did my family worship? The people that influenced me the most, that, that raised me, that spoke into my life, what did they worship? A big thing in West Texas that can get in the way of God is our work ethic. I can do it. I work hard. Right? I was raised on the farm. I was raised in West Texas. We know how to get it done. And I can do it. And we don't rely on God because we learned that from our father. Right? We learned that money is what you need. Money will take care of your problems. Maybe your dad worked all the time. Right? Maybe that was his focus. Maybe your dad's focus was recreation. And you didn't grow up going to church It's not that your parents were heathens, not that your parents were bad people, but that wasn't a priority. Recreation was a priority. Self-pleasure was a priority. A lot of times when we think about it, I think, man, you know, I don't know. I don't have anything bad in my life. My dad was a preacher. But when you really sit down and you really go to God and you say, God, what what are some false gods in my life? What are some false gods on the throne of my heart trying to push you off that I have? God, reveal to me what I'm worshiping that my father worshiped. And you get real quiet, and God will bring stuff up, and you'll say, well, let's talk about that some other time. Let's just ignore it. That's not that bad. Come on, be serious, God. You know, or you'll think, well, that was just me. That was just me. And God, God will speak to you. And, and you have to sit down and get quiet. So number one is the God of your fathers. Two is the gods of Egypt or the gods of their past. Um, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt longer than America was a nation. So they were there longer than America has existed. That's how long they've been here. 
So you think about, you know, thinking about the forefathers of our country were our great, great, great grandparents that fell into slavery in this country. And we've been here this long and we're still here, right? And so while they're there, a couple of things probably rubbed off on them. Egypt had hundreds of gods. They had a God for everything. And I mean everything. And so they're in this for generations. And this rubs off, rubs off on them. And Joshua says, is that who you're going to serve? Is that who you're going to follow? Right? What in your past keeps you from serving God wholeheartedly? What, from, what happened in, in, in back in middle school and junior high and college and your first job and in your marriage and with your kids that keeps you from serving God? One thing we struggle with in church is shame. Men especially. We think, you know, in all, in all of us, we think we don't measure up. I'm not good enough. God's kind of mad at me. God's kind of angry with me. If I could get this figured out, then, then I could really worship God. Then I could really lift my hands. Then I could really do this or be that or, or quit doing this. And something in our past keeps us from, from serving God. And he says, is, is that what you're going to worship? Is that what you're going to hold on to? Number three, he says, the God of the Amorites or the God of the culture. The Amorites lived around them. And they had their own gods and their own thing and their own deal that they were doing. A lot of the, the culture around them, uh, I, I mean, anything goes. They believed in child sacrifices. Anything goes. And, and a lot of that was going on right when, when Gideon was alive. The, the guy right after Gideon, he told God, hey, I'll kill my daughter if you'll give us this victory. And it's like he didn't even know who God was. And so do you serve the God of this culture? Do you serve the God of where we're at? You know, and I'll just blend in. Everything around me says I should want money, so that's what I want. Everything around me says everything should be about me, and I should focus on myself, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to worry about me. Or I'm, I, I'm stuck on the gods of my father even if my father's long been passed away, I'm still trying to make him happy by, by, by doing what he wanted me to do, by serving his gods of whatever it was, of work, money, recreation, sex, power, it doesn't matter. Are you stuck in, in, the, in the gods of our culture, the gods of your past? Then the last option is Joshua says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And right now, today, that offer still stands. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the gods of, of your father? And, and that's not even saying like, oh, you know, oh, my dad was a great guy. That's, that's okay. That's okay. But still, we're flawed. We're, we're, we're messed up. We're in a fallen world. And I have to decide on my own. Gideon had to decide, I'm following God. Even though my dad has this statue out in the front yard and he worships him, I'm going to tear it down and burn it because I'm following God. And that's what you have to do, and that's what you have to sit down. And I want to encourage you uh, today, the rest of this week, that you take some time 
to sit down and to do that, that you take some time to sit down and say, God, what are some false gods in my heart? What are some false gods on the throne of my heart? What am I serving that my eyes aren't even open to? God, I need you to show me. I want to show you Luke 9, 23. This is Jesus speaking. And it says, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. He says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Joshua 24, 15 says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose this day. Choose this day whom you will serve. Like I said, all they've been through, you you know, I could say, well, you know, I got saved at eight. I made that decision. But Jesus said to take up your cross daily. Every day when I wake up, I choose to love my wife. I choose to love her. Right? I could wake up tomorrow and, and, and just decide I don't, I don't want to love you anymore. But I choose to love her on a daily basis. And it's the same way with your relationship with God. Jesus tells us, Joshua said, choose today. Jesus said, take up your cross daily. You have to wake up in the morning and say, God, today I choose you. When you're tempted by the gods of our culture, you say, no, God, I choose you. When you mess up in sin and you feel guilty and shameful, you say, God, I choose you. Each day of our lives, we tell God, today I choose you. I choose you this day. It's a daily walk, a daily battle. Take up your cross daily and follow God. And I believe that the the command that Joshua gave is is still relevant today. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to follow? Bow your heads with me really quick. And we're going to, I just want to take a minute and I want you just in in your own heart and your own mind in this time, just in a few minutes. And I want you to ask God some of the false gods in your heart. Ask God who you're serving. Ask God who you're following. Father, I pray that you would speak to us right now. I pray you would speak to us this week, that you would show us the false gods in our life, that you would show us where we don't choose you. I pray you would give us the strength and courage to choose you on a daily basis. Father, give us the strength and courage just like you did Gideon to tear down the altars. Even if we have to do it in the middle of the night, Father, you give us the strength and the courage to do that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.